right bond bond we haven't done bond for a number of weeks too long and we're back with you only live twice and i'll i'll tell you what i i'm i, I in watching this movie i don't remember the last time that i've seen this movie it's it's been a long 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 time since i saw this one because the other ones the other ones i felt like i i they were still they weren't fresh in my mind but but i I knew with certainty I'd watched him before. This for me, I knew that I've seen that, and I actually feel like this may have been the first Bond movie that I ever saw. Could be. It, I, I, I can't remember for sure, but like I, I feel like this was my introduction to Bond. So because there were things about this movie, for me, Connery, Bond, the, the whole thing, it really fits together for me. Everything feels in this movie like it clicks for me. It, 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 he he does things where that that are very spy like like he's got the cool thing where he's cracking the safe you know yeah. but it, it but it's not like his one he has a, a he has ga- okay so the the critical things for for a good bond movie for a good spy movie in general there has to be spying which he did, there is in this there has to be cool gadgets there has to be cool cars there have to be a, in in this case you know a, 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 very worthy adversary, which you've got. Got to have hot women. Hot women are in this, and it, it, there's you know there's the, the whole thing about his drink. He's now infamous for for the way he takes his drink. And there's so many. There's so there's nin. I mean ninjas. Yeah. Sumos. What do what you know? So I I took notes. I did too. You know what I would say though. Let me ask you this though. Broad terms. I also feel. I feel almost so feel far like my this favorite one- Bond film. Besides wow. Doctor, besides Doctor No, this Smart one is word. my favorite in the in the modern generation of Bond movies. Outside of the, the the perfect three, this is my favorite. It's a good movie, and I think it 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 is, in a sense, I think this is sort of what you're saying. It's almost like the the epitome. It's the the epitomization of the Bond. Movie, yes. Right. Yes. Maybe it's not the best, but it's sort of like the one in the middle. Like yeah. You can compare. The worst ones you can compare to it and say this is why it's worse, and the ones that are better, you can you know it's like a baseline Bond movie. But this is, but this has you can look at Doctor No and say ah too old, too much like a stage play. Or, I'm not or, saying I'm not saying they you didn't would. know their way. You know that they yeah. did, they didn't have all of the they didn't have the formula down yet. Exactly. You you right. you, you can you could and say it's but yet it didn't it, they hadn't yet gotten too formulaic. Yeah, and right. Thunderball you can say wasn't quite there. Okay, he's he's an international, you know, he's he's an action star in Thunderball, but I felt like you only live twice. It comes back a little bit. That's re- even though he's doing big things, he's doing them the way that he did them in From Russia with Love. He's 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 low key right. again. Uh, Love this movie though. To me, this this serves as a better introduction to what Bond is. Than any of the other movies that we've seen thus far, I'm not saying this is the one you should see first, but I feel like if, if up until this point, if I was going to say to somebody, you need to, you know, let me find out because you're you're an hour into it before you even find out who who they're after. How's that for building up a story? Yeah. Did you see who wrote the screenplay? No, who wrote this? The screenplay was written by Raoul Dahl. 
Now it's based on you know Ian Fleming novel, but the screenplay right. was written by Raoul Dahl. That's interesting. He uh, he, the author of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox, yeah. Matilda, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's weird, isn't it? But yeah. it but it kind of, and I feel like you really see it in in the first hour because here's the other thing that I think about this movie. It really maybe in a, in, in that sense that it's the canonical Connery Bond movie. Uh, and it fits with the thing I told you at the outset of our whole five by five Bond series is that I like the first hour of Bond movies better than the second right, hour. Right, right. I love the first hour of this movie. I'm not saying the second hour isn't good, but it it it, it starts to get off on cockamamie. And it the other thing is that it it the big set pieces take a long time. Yeah. What I love about the first hour of this movie is that it's one thing after another, and you just you know it, it, it's just. All you just it, it's constantly stimulating, yeah, right, and and it's all this cool stuff that's on location, uh, in in Japan, in and in, and it reminds me of From Russia with Love that way, yeah. where you get these great, you know, where they were in it's, it. What was Istanbul in nineteen sixty one like? Right, now this gives you a sense. Like, what was Tokyo like in nineteen sixty six? And you get these great little tastes of it, right? Uh, he he his first meeting with his. Uh, uh, colleagues in Tokyo was uh, staged at a like you said a, at a sumo match, right? Right, and it's just beautiful. It's really well photographed. It's like so, you it get, looks like, like you feel like you're there. You look like yeah, you're there. You get two minutes at a 1966 uh, sumo match, right? You know, this is this is the Bond franchise giving you something that you're not going to find anywhere else. Right. Novelty you're, you're on on set on location, exotic, on yeah, exotic locations that are, you're really there. Yeah, you know. How about the opening? How about the opening in space? You know, I, it's interesting because to, it, by today's standards, the, the effects are so bad. They're so bad. But looking past that, I, I thought it was great. And, because, and here's the thing. You've got this, this really weird, really weird mystery spaceship that basically right. eats the other spaceship. Right. Who, you know, and the music that they've got playing while they're doing it. Imagine, imagine how loud and intense that would have been in a, in a darkened movie theater right. where everybody's talking about space anyway. Everything is about space exploration. But it's not, you know, it's not something it, like that seems like I guess that seemed possible yeah. having one spaceship eat another one. Didn't strike me until this time watching it that the guy who, who gets cut off, the guy on the spacewalk. Yeah who gets cut off, dies exactly like Frank Poole. I thought the same thing while I was watching it too. Right? Exactly. It, same it, thing. It, it, they had two years. This is two years before 2001 yeah. came out. Yeah. Uh, two years where, where they had the best shot of, a, <laughs> of an astronaut dying, dying. including in space. Right. And now it looks so terrible compared to 2001. Yeah, it does. And it's amazing to think that this is what passed for, you know, exciting space adventure in the late sixties. And then right, Kubrick right. shows up and says, no, no, guys, let me show you how to do this. Right. And uh, did, didn't the other astronaut, the one that did, that, that didn't die in space, didn't he look a lot like Dustin Hoffman? Oh yeah. A little bit, a little bit like yeah, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> That's true. The other guy looked almost like Paul Newman, right? like a middle-aged Paul Newman. How about the opening? How about the opening where Bond, Bond gets killed? Yeah, I that's don't like know. the second time they've gone to that. It seemed like they wanted to. They've been wanting to do that because they did that in uh, uh, From Russia with Love, right? Where he gets where, strangled, right? But it's a guy who's dressed up as Bond, right. and I feel like you know they wanted to do it. They just keep going back to that. 
Yeah, I mean, so I have a few questions about that. Why why have such an elaborate Okay, so first of all, they need to fake his death. Let's just we let's not question that motivation. They need to do that. Fine. Why in such a weird way, you know, he's he's hanging upside down in a folded up bed hoping that the Japanese police show up after not too long to find him. And then it they they send him down wrapped up in, in 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 tape under the water. He's got a thing, and then, and then why? And if he's a secret agent, why would his death be in the newspaper? Okay, so they want to publicize the word, but I don't well, know. Just there's a his lot of, cover though is that he was you know was a former naval commander yeah. or an active naval commander, not a spy. But yeah, uh, it doesn't make sense though that. So maybe they know. I guess the idea is so he's he's in bed with a Chinese secret service woman, of course, right. And and I guess they have an idea that they're going to try to kill him, right? Uh, but how how would they know how, right? So she really did want to kill him. And the guys, the angry Chinese guys who came in with the machine guns really thought they were killing him. Yeah. Like it just seems – it doesn't seem like a good plan at all though to fake his death because it seems like how would you know that the bed was going to flip up? Right and what he I guess he had like blood packets or something. I guess he had blood packets. Right. I, I, and as I, as a as a policeman, are you aren't you going to look for bullet holes? It just doesn't make any sense. It really it doesn't make any sense. It just this seems like they decided they really wanted to you know make the audience think. This again, is what you'd call like, a facacta story. Yeah. Oh my God, James Bond is dead, and the credits just rolled. Yeah. Uh, uh But. It, it, it doesn't really seem thoughtful. I, I mean, how would he know that she wasn't going to stab him or poison him or just that she was going to shoot him? Yeah. You know, it, it, I don't know. It doesn't really seem well thought out. No. But then I, after that, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I if you can look past that. I thought the underwater burial was pretty cool. Is it a good that, idea to burn a piece of paper in a sub? Remember when he burns the note? Yeah, I think like, that's Like, would right. you do that? Isn't it pressurized oxygen or something in there? No, I don't think so. All right. I like the instant Japanese book that she throws him. Yeah. Instant Japanese. You forgot that I, uh, what does he say? I forgot that I was a, what you is, know, it's not first major. in my class at a. I took a first, I took a first at Oxford in <laughs> Oriental languages. That's right. Right. And a line from Moneypenny, <laughs> you're late, you're late as usual, even from your own funeral. Right. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, God, I love Tokyo on location. Yeah. Right? Pay no attention to the woman talking into her purse. It's not odd at all. Right. It's normal here. Everybody looks uh, sweaty in this movie, from the guy in the space center to, to Connery in, in basically every scene. Right. Look a little sweaty. So here's a thing that, that is, I think it just shows how, how they had a different standard for things back then than now, like with casting. Uh, and and the, big, the best example is the way Blofeld is a different guy in every movie. And we'll get to that later about the end of the movie with the Blofeld. But yeah. Yeah, let's uh, not get ahead. We got to wait for that. Right, but but early on, he meets this guy Henderson, who's the the MI6 station chief in Japan, and he's this British guy who's who's there, and he ends up getting stabbed by an assassin and goes down. Yeah, I love um, I, do, I love that scene. That's one right, of the but most the memorable actor, scenes. The actor who plays Henderson, that mm-hmm. guy, he's Blofeld <laughs> in in from in in the Diamonds movie and uh, Diamonds Are Forever, which is only two. It's four years later, and he doesn't look different. No, he looks exactly. He's the got same. like the same haircut and everything, <laughs> and it's. It, it's just bizarre. It's like every time they made one of these movies, they just sort of assume it doesn't seem like they're making a series of them. It, 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 
you know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden, like imagine, like they would, would imagine if like the next Batman movie from uh, from from Christopher Nolan comes out, and uh, what's his name? Who's the guy who plays Alfred in these movies? I know the uh, guy. I mean, I don't remember his name. Christ, I'm so bad with names. What's that guy's name? Come on, someone in the audience, help us out. Yeah, who's the who's the not Michael Michael Caine? Michael Caine. Michael Caine. So imagine Michael Caine. Now he's no longer Alfred. Now he's uh Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> right. right. Or now what? he's now he's now he's the Riddler. Yeah. What? <laughs> or he's Mr. Freeze. Now Chris, right. Michael Caine is is Mr. Freeze. And and he looks like Michael Caine. What? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I just saw this movie 2 years ago. I was thinking uh, I was thinking that you were talking about the older franchise, not the new one. No, no, I'm just saying it nobody would do that now. There's there's like well, a lack the of guy in the older See the older guy. I don't like Michael Caine as him. I like the old guy. The uh, old guy see, with the glasses. I kind of like him cuz you know who he, I mean though? Yeah, I know who. You That's mean. who I, I thought you were talking about. Not Michael Caine in the new No, one. but I'm saying from the from this, you know, the current series. Yeah. Uh, he does all right. I love that fight in the Osata office. So the guy oh, him, was the best. Bond chases him down, kills the assassin, puts on his little mask and acts like he's hurt, gets taken to the office, right? I love that fight in the office. That's that is one of the best fights in a Bond movie. And to this day, I mean, I think that fight scene holds up just as well as a lot of the other fight scenes you'd see in movies today. Very exciting, believable. Right. I like yeah. when he comes back to the office the next time. He's like, "Oh, they fixed a statue," and then he's it's, like, "It's great in a couple ways." I love the way when the fight finishes and he thro- throws the guy in the little bar that opens up, yeah, and then immediately like straightens his tie, goes and looks at the booze, takes a bottle of uh, vodka, pours himself a stiff one, and then he like winces and he looks yeah. and it, what did he what what did he say? It was like Siamese vodka. Yeah, Siamese vodka. He's like, oh, Jesus. Uh, I thought that, and that's just like. To me, that's the typical Bond humor. Right. That's perfect Bond humor. Yeah, and then and then immediately goes to crack in the safe. Right, and it's a cool safe cracking scene. Yeah, very cool. And then yeah, then the next day, and it's to me very cinematic. There's no no dialogue. It's just him walking around the room, looking at how you know, like the statue's been replaced with the duplicate. Right. And he keeps looking at that bar, thinking, <laughs> "Do the they guy, know? Is that is right? Are they going to open it up? And is the guy going to be in there?" Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, very cool. One of my uh, favorite favorite cars. From this time period is the, is the Toyota two, uh, 2000 GT. Oh, man. I love that car. That car. And I, I was reading about this. There, some trivia. You may know this, but I'll no, ask I you. Do, I do not know. Okay. Uh, they had to convert the Toyota 2000 GT coupes into convertibles because of Sean Connery's height. Because huh. he's 6'2". And uh, the GT was, uh, the, the, in the words of the article, I read it on, they said it was notoriously too small for anyone over 5'8". So they made they converted them into convertibles for 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 Connery because he's tall. All right, I'm gonna now now we get to what I think is the best part of this entire movie. Little Nelly. No, before that, <laughs> Tanaka. Yeah, Tanaka. Tiger Tanaka. He's awesome. Who is cool as? Yeah, he is the coolest guy other than Bond. I think in any Bond in the entire series because yeah. you can easily see that guy being the star of a movie. Oh, that yeah. guy as that character, the head of the Japanese Secret Service, with his his super cool underground lair. He's got his own train. That guy is crying. You you can't get enough of him yeah. in this movie. I'll just he's send like out the, a helicopter with a giant magnet and drop some guys in the ocean in their car. He's like the Boba Fett of the movie. <laughs> he's that great. That guy is so cool. 
You know, you know, when uh, that it, it's sort of you don't know what kind of tricks he's got up his sleeve at first. And then when you start to realize what he's capable of, you realize that he's he's a force in and of himself. That's pretty cool. And they they handled him pretty well in the movie. They didn't stereotype right. him too much. Right. And they didn't they didn't do anything to purposefully make him less cool than uh, than Bond. Yeah. Right. It's like they're confident enough in how cool Bond and Connery are that this guy, they can make him as cool. I mean, yeah, he's got a, a secret point. army of ninjas. Yeah. And he's got a house where he's got all these chicks who give him sponge baths every night. <laughs> right. I mean, the guy is totally cool. Yeah. Very cool. Right. I mean, you could totally argue. I mean, this guy totally stands toe to toe with Bond as a cool ass secret agent. And it, and you know, it to me, it just makes the movie. It does. Bonsai. I'll tell you what else. I watched it with the kid. I watched it with the boy. The boy's seen it now twice. He loves this movie. He loves this one. Uh, but there's a great, there's a lesson in life in this movie. Very important. And the boy took it. The boy noticed it. Oh. Is when Henderson, he first, before he gets stabbed, he mixes Bond a martini. And uh, he he stirs it, not shakes it. And he gives it to him. And he says, now that's uh, stirred, not shaken. I got it right. Right? And Bond's like, and, yep, you did. Bond just says, perfect. Mm-hmm. Even though everybody knows he got it wrong. Right. And the boy says, no, he got it wrong. And I said, <laughs> no, think about it. He did get it wrong. But he's, when you're a guest in somebody else's house, you you want to be, uh, you know, you say he Curtis. says perfect. Not, he says perfect not because he agrees that it's right. He says perfect because that's good enough. And the guy even just the fact that the guy even thought to make it his way is is a kind gesture. Right. It was a compliment that that he had – Right, attempted to get it right, and that in and of itself was such a courtesy that Bond was right. like, "Wow, I respect." And this guy. And then he noticed that it was made with Russian vodka and complimented it on that. And right. and and my son understood that and got that as a, uh, you know, ah, I see. So you don't all, you know, like a lesson in life. Nice, little Nelly. Little boy Nelly. loves little Nelly. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that thing was real. Not yeah, with all the armaments, but no, I think it was. I think I saw something on YouTube about it. Yeah, couldn't get me up on one of those things. I'd rather fly in that than a commercial air, airplane. Yeah. So my only other notes after that, all my notes are from the first hour. Yeah, but uh, Extor- that, extortion I, is my business. Right, we're one hour in before the plot is revealed. Yeah, full hour in, and we're an hour and thirty-seven minutes in before we see Blofeld. Yeah, anybody who's who's familiar with the Austin Powers movies who hasn't seen this movie right. will love would love this movie. Right. Because that's I think what it was a is. mistake to show Blofeld. I do yeah, think you mentioned that. that. Was, you mentioned that. I, I I do you know, and I, I feel I feel like the way that they stretched it out and you don't get to see him, you only get to hear him is the same reason it worked in the other movies, but then uh I feel like they were like, finally, we just want to show you. Same, you know. Same I'll tell you why. I'll tell. I thought about that a lot. I'll Eventually, tell you why. George Lucas couldn't couldn't <laughs> wait to show you what the hell Darth Vader looked like. Yeah. All right. You know. Yeah. I can't let this series end with without letting you know what this guy looks like under the mask. I'll I'll tell I'll tell you I'll tell you why I think they may have done that in this movie because I I know that you uh, I I know that you have expressed your displeasure with this, but I'll tell you why I think they did it. I think they did it because they almost didn't want it to become 
a joke or a shtick or something. Like they they didn't want to, oh, you never see who he is. Like, I guess. Because in Inspector Gadget, you never see Dr. Claw. You never see right. him. And I, I feel like in the Bond movies, they didn't want to. They didn't want it to become like that. Like they, right. they well, you will see him eventually. And did you not like that? Is that? I mean, do you feel like that know. took I away just from feel the like character? This spoiled something. I mm. feel like it goes downhill. Ex- and I don't extortion know that it makes is my sense. business. It just, it just seems. Yeah, I do like that. It's a good line. Mm-hmm. But I uh, extortion is my business. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. And I also feel like Blofeld's the sort of guy who always has a. Uh, he's not on the site. Like he doesn't take chances like that. Like he's got a number two to run the operation. Yeah, he's above it all. Like a mystery man. You know. Like uh, I mean, not to. D- to get too serious about it, but uh, uh, Osama bin Laden didn't fly the planes into the World Trade Center. You know what I mean? Like he's the mastermind hidden in a mountain sending his guys out. You know, Blofeld's that sort of guy. Like he's not going on the missions. You know, he's sort of a, you know, the, the not, you know, you want to say cowardly, fine, he's a coward, but he's not in there mixing it up. And yeah. he's not going to let all of these technicians see him, right? You can see he, maybe he'd be on site, but then only like one guy gets to see him. Right. I just don't know about I just it just doesn't make sense. Like whereas the Thunderball plot to me seems much better. Where he's off in Europe and there's another guy who runs the operation and just reports to Blofeld. Yeah. Well he he needed to manage this one himself. Right. But then you run into the weird things you get you get into the whole Tuco's Tuco's law situation. Oh yeah. Right now, Tuco's law. This is famous, and it you know, and and the Bond movies are notorious for violating it. Is is the guy the you know from the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the the Eli Wallet character, the ugly Tuco, right? And he's sitting in a bathtub, and a guy who he maimed earlier in the movie finally catches him and comes in and points a gun at Tuco in the bathtub, and he's taking a bubble bath, and he starts you know saying, "I've been looking forward to this ever since you know he's got like a lame leg and he's only got one eye now because of what Tuco did to him and starts saying, I've been looking forward to the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Ends up Tuco's taking a bath with a gun and just shoots the guy through the bubbles. And then he says, if you're going to shoot, shoot, don't talk, <laughs> right? That's Tuco's law in the <laughs> yeah. movies. If you're going to shoot a guy, just shoot him, all right? Well, Blofeld, Blofeld totally does that with Bond. He's going to shoot him, but yeah. he waits and waits and waits until all of a sudden uh, Tanaka can, can uh, put a throwing star into his arm, right. which was a pretty cool thing though. If you're going to save James Bond, that's pretty cool where, where uh, the head of the Japanese Secret Service hits him with a throwing star. <laughs> Everything comes down to the ninjas in this one. All right. I don't know. The other thing, too, is I don't think that – I don't think Donald Pleasance was a good choice for Blofeld. Yeah, I thought he was. I really? Liked, yeah, I liked him. He's only like – he's like four foot six. I, but that's that's the whole thing that I thought was cool. It's, he, it's unexpected. It's not who you think it's going to be. It's not what you think he's going to be like. Yeah. He's I just different. Don't, I don't – yeah, but – How I mean, would you have, have talk about look. it? Well, I'm going to tell you. It's a bad movie and we, we'll go on and on about it next week because of how bad it is. But uh, the next movie, it's Telly Savalas. And I think Telly Savalas is was in a bad movie. I think he was a great Blofeld. Donald, or he just has a presence. I mean, Donald Pleasance is a great actor. Have you he, checked I the children? I just, I just don't buy him. As, and Halloween, nah, he was good. He I was just good. don't buy him as Blofeld. I don't know. And the scars and everything. I, I don't get it. I don't know. Do you like the other guy better? The guy that played him later. The the one from well, nobody movie. played him twice, except for the guy who played him before you ever saw him. 
No, I'm talking about the guy that was killed in this one with the knife, Henriksen. No, I don't think he was right as Blofeld either. I think there's there's just no pleasing you when it comes to Blofeld. Well, I think Telly Savalas was a pretty good Blofeld, but I think it was better to keep mm-hmm. him a mystery man. I don't know, but I think the worst of the Blofelds was uh, was Pleasance. <laughs> and I think, there, and I think the there's a reason. The I think there's a reason why the Doctor Evil guy was clearly based on the Pleasance version. This is the and it's the only movie where Donald Pleasance plays him and he's got the scar. Yeah. Um, there's a reason, you know, all the James Bond movies, a bunch of them, you know, all the early ones feature Blofeld in some degree. This is the movie that Dr. Evil was based on. Yes. And I think that, you know, I think that says something. Still a good movie. Love, you know what I love too? At the, in the, in the big, uh, the, the beginning of the big, uh, the big fight at the end inside the volcano. Mm-hmm. Love the scene where Bond is uh, upside down with the suction cups. <laughs> going down <laughs> i don't know why i love that i just love that that's well that's what that's what i mean when i was saying it he's got cool gadgets he's got cool stuff that he he does the one thing that, that that struck me as funny is remember when he uh he's the the dude that that kills is it hendrickson am i saying that right yeah yeah i think it's hendricks henderson henderson the guy that kills him goes running out the one where he fakes it he puts on the jacket and the mask the surgical mask and he also puts on the shoes, and the shoes are these goofy shoes with a big white stripe. And for the next, like, three scenes before the bath scene, I think, he's walking right. around with these shoes. So as he's touring Tiger's Castle, you know, he's on the ground. He's walking around in these goofball shoes still. Right. But a good, good— And they must you know. be, like, four sizes too small. <laughs> I know. But bonus points for continuity. And that was a funny thing is, like, when he puts on the jacket, I'm like, how is he going to put that thing on over his own sport coat, you know? Right. And he does. It just fits. And and the, meanwhile, the guy, the the big dude, we'll just call him Tank, that right. he fights with. Yeah, Tank isn't going to notice that what was a four foot eight guy is now a six foot two dude, and he's going to pick him up and carry him around yeah, to a administer. Little, it's a little iffy when he carries him in. He carries him in. I mean, oh, I forgive it though because of the fight more than makes up for it. The fight does make up for it. It's a great fight, but seriously, I mean, the difference between your average and I'm talking about in in the late '60s, your average height Japanese man right. is probably going to be, in, in all seriousness, five foot seven, five yeah. foot six. And if they're a little bit more slender, and right? a, a little sort bit of solid, prob- solid, probably a probably you know a buck and a quarter. And here he's be, this dude. Now I know the dude's big. But he's he's not and he's not going to try and administer any kind of aid to him. He's just going to sling him over his shoulder <laughs> and bring him up to the boss's office. Yeah, I'm going to sling a six foot two, two hundred pound dude who used to be five foot six and a, a buck and a quarter over my shoulders. I'm not going to bother to look at him. Is it re- more realistic? As soon as he tried to pick him up, Connery would or Bond would have uh, you know stabbed him and, and taken him out there. But anyway, you're right. The fight scene does make up for it. All right. A couple more notes. You got you got your typical Bond psychopath, psychopathic behavior when a girl he's maybe even in love with dies, yeah. right? He's yeah. fallen in love with the one agent, the one who has the cool car. And that guy comes in to poison him with the Ak- poison on this. Drink. Aki. Right. And and only by sheer luck does, does the guy get her <sighs> instead of him. Yeah. Right? He shoots the guy dead. He wakes up, shoots the guy dead, and then boom, she's dead. Tanaka comes in, and it's like, well, she's dead. Yeah, forget her. 
like, he is kind of like a psychopath that way, yeah. or sociopath, or something. Yeah, like a sociopath. Yeah. that's a better word. He honestly doesn't really miss her. Yeah, he's moved he's on. Been, he's been screwing her for a couple of weeks, sleeping with her. He's, you know, they really, he really seems like they get along. Yeah, and she gets killed, and he doesn't really care. Yeah, he's really a yeah sociopath. And then I do feel, I honestly do feel it. It, I think it interrupts the flow of the movie. The whole subplot where, where as part of his cover, he he gets married, married to, yeah. to a local girl. It just it that was weird. Know. Yeah, I don't think it works, and I feel like it really interrupts the flow of the movie. And I I I I, I don't know. I found that the whole it was a, it was also yeah, it just didn't fit. And the makeup like stuff really seemed distracting. Yeah. Like when he was, they had him dressed up as a to make him look like a Japanese guy because it really didn't look like a Japanese no. guy. He looked like like Sean Connery with something in his eyes. Yeah, who's that gonna fool? Yeah, but take it from me: if you're the slightest bit Western in an Asian country today in 2011, they notice you. Right. I mean, I this was this was very true in, in South Korea. I was like, the, go look at the look at the American guy. And this is back in the '60s. Well, there are... I, so I, I, I understand that. I guess I understand the disguise for him. I don't understand that that the marrying part was was a necessary part of his cover. Like, why <laughs> yeah. couldn't why, why couldn't he need that? Right. Well, how did that really help his cover if he was just <laughs> supposed to be a poor fisherman guy? I don't know. You know, just dress him up. You know, put some makeup on him and give him a hat and yeah. and get him in the get him in the hut up there. But, you know, why couldn't he just be a single fisherman? The whole marriage, the, the wedding scene, it really just seemed to interrupt the flow of the movie. Yeah, I agree. So ne- next week is On Her Majesty's Secret Service, your second favorite Bond movie. Oh, my God. That movie is bad. Second. You got to watch it, though. You got to watch it. You, I mean, don't, don't, just because I say it's bad. Because there's a couple things that are actually are very good about it. And some people, some people, some people love it. Some people argue that it's like the well. This was supposed to be Connery's last Bond. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. No, I, you only live twice, oh. and it was announced during filming in Japan that this was going to be the, the last one. But if, as as you know, it wasn't. Right. I did. There was a Roger Moore Bond that was on over the weekend. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Well, you know, the director of this one. This was Lewis Gilbert's first direction of a Bond movie. Uh, he did two more. He did Moonraker and The Spy Who Loved Me. And Moonraker is horrible. Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me is one of my favorite um, Roger Moore movies and from 1977. Yeah, that'd be, well, I love that one just because of the lotus that goes underwater. And The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. But so there Lewis, was, Gilbert, Lewis Gilbert, pretty good Bond director. So yeah. he had two good ones. He only lived twice in The Spy You Love Me and, and, and then Moonraker. And and Moonraker, it wasn't – I don't know that it was poorly directed. I mean it, it's just such a terrible idea, like the script. Like if you're given that script, I, I mean Steven Spielberg couldn't make a good movie out of that. No. Hey, so um, uh, S. Williams in the chat room is saying, can you, can you talk about how many Bond movies you're going to do? I think, you know, we should do them all. That's what I was thinking. We'd do them yeah. all. Part of the show until we're done. I now, mean, I maybe we'll miss weeks. Maybe like like the last two weeks, we'll miss weeks. But I think we just keep going until we're done. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we have any plans to stop. And I, it may it may be that we get to a Bond movie where it's so bad that all we do is talk about it for ten minutes, but we'll still talk about it. Exactly. Right? I mean, we're not going to not talk about it. So. Yeah, we'll keep going. Yeah. So all of them. That's the answer. Yeah. So uh, next week, uh, 
on Her Majesty's Secret Service. We'll put that into the yeah into the show notes as well. And uh, yeah, all right. The regular schedule next week. Yeah, regular <laughs> schedules because there's, unless there's some new embargo. Yeah, there new embargo. I don't think so. Could you say if there was? No, there's definitely not. Well, I shouldn't say that, but there, I can. <laughs> you shouldn't say that there is. You can no, either confirm then, or I mean, deny. Because then, then if I ever say that I can't say, then it would be a giveaway. That right. I have but so I, you, I, but I've spoiled it. I don't. I don't have any more. Okay. I don't have any more embargoes. All right. So then, then that's the end of it. Then. Yeah. People are people are really up in arms though that we don't have uh, intro music or outro sounds or some kind of sound effect. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the charm. Yeah, I know. I agree with you, but I my thought was that maybe you could do. We could get, you know, you could make a sound or do some kind of sound effect or something like that so that mm-hmm. pe- when people hear it, they know that it's the end. We could just use your, your sound effect. Yeah, uh, I can't think of anything. Just like hum, like hum a little sound. Yeah. Some people in the chat room are saying you could blow your nose or you could hum, yeah. cough. 